On this week's episode of the Limehouse Podcast, we have Lord Maxwell Heathley. Sarah, it sounds me to say, but there was a storm on that boat. We, we journeyed from the Cape, more or less the Cape, all the way up to Southampton, and there was a terrible storm. So wherever you are, please enjoy this episode of the Limehouse Podcast, your liberal speakeasy. Yo soy Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. This is Paddy Ashdown and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. What a good name that is. Hi, I'm Tom Brake and this is the Limehouse Podcast. Hello, this is Nick Clegg and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics can do. So welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast, guys. How have you been? How have you been doing? I'm just going to do a very brief intro. Um, just, I think, you know, want to get, I just want to get on with this this week. You know, it's been a crazy busy week for me, although it's been crap weather. I am knackered, as you can tell. I feel run down from my voice, you can tell, right? But anyway, it's been good chatting with you. I, I, I did say that um, I was going to bring you Vince Cable this week, but his people have put it back which is um which is it's the way it is isn't it you know leader of uh, an opposition party you you that's gonna happen it's gonna happen but um hopefully we'll have something for you next week i'm not too sure i mean at this stage of the game i'm thinking you know when when i've got the interviews for you i'll bring them to you so can't always count on it being weekly but anyway look um really excited to bring you maxwell uh, lord maxwell heath uh, heathley for you really excited i think you'll really enjoy it it's um it's pretty out there I've, we've never had a leave um a leave member on on the show uh, from the house of lords or anywhere actually so i'm really excited to bring you this chat it's pretty wild his story is pretty eccentric and um yeah some of his views are, are pretty out there as you can well imagine so after this i can um after this I, i'll take your twitter twi- tweets what, twitters tweets and emails of course and that's at limehouse pod and also the limehouse podcast at gmail.com and yeah i have changed the twitter picture you know it's just one of those things i just got bored of the yellow door you know who cares anyway guys enjoy the show i'll see you soon sorry about the vince cable thing but we'll have something for you soon i promise and uh, happy Easter. Has that been and gone? I don't know. I think all this cloud, is, the cloud, six days of cloud is muddling my brain. So, Lord Heathley, it's, it's, a, fan, it's a fantastic honour to be, to be sat, sat with you here today. Um, yeah, I've got to be honest, it, it's, it's really amazing to have to sort of been able to set this interview up. So I'm really grateful and thank you for your time. That's really great of you. So, yeah, I'd say your life is been quite different to to most people's perhaps um perhaps we could start by talking about where you where you grew up yes i grew i grew up in uh, of course i was 
the, many of your listeners will be very pleased to hear that I grew up in the ni- 1920s. Now, 1920s to many people is a, a very far-fetched decade. There's not a lot of us around anymore. However, I feel at 85 as young as I ever was. When I grew up is a personal question, of course. Well, I grew up in Rhodesia, a very wonderful, wonderful place to grow up indeed. I find now in my years gone by, the decades that have followed, to be a wiser man because of my roots, you see. I grew up in a very, a very wonderful country, very wonderful. And I, of course, I have a wonderful brain, and I'd like, if you, if you would uh, permit me, I would love to talk. Uh, my brain is a swollen, very large, bulbous brain. I've just been bulbous and large for a very long time, and I, I was a very young boy, a very young boy. The indigenous people of Rhodesia, the chippy chappies, the cheeky chaps, that used to work on my father's land, would have very large hands, and different now, of course, and very different. They're very much smaller hands now, the natives, the Rhodesians. And at the time, they were very big hands, and they would get, they would get hold of me, grasp me, grasp me round by my, my ankles, and playfully, mind you, very playfully and respectfully, they would grab me and swing me round in circles, you see, very fast. And my blood, the blood would rush to the top of my head and cause my brain to swell, you see. Telling, marvellous, sending all the, the enzymes and the electrodes deep into my brain and consequently charging it in ways that you simply could not allow these days to happen because of the political correctness that has gone quite quite mad, in my opinion. Yes, and I grew up in Rhodesia, which is obviously the, the, the pertinent part of your question, and I enjoyed it very, very much. So what brought you... I mean, I know it's it's kind of like a broad... Question: I, I mean, there must be many different reasons as to why uh, you were, <laughs> why, why, you, why you came to the UK, and uh, I know you haven't written an autobiography yet, but um, maybe it's on the cards. You never know. But but what what brought you to the UK? What brought me to the United Kingdom? Thank you. It's a good question, and it needs a good answer, and I'll attempt to do that for you. I would say that it is a question that needs careful studying. I was brought to the United Kingdom by a very fluke accident. My father and my mother had a farm. It was a touring farm. One might call it a circus. In fact, you could call it a circus by today's standards. The circus was uh, in danger, should we say, of going out of fashion. The touring circus in Rhodesia was in danger of going out of fashion. So... My father, unbeknownst to me, as a very young boy, as I was, a bulbous-brained young boy, well, he would, he'd sold, he sold uh, the farm, save for a few select species, 
to take back to the United Kingdom as a, as a zoo. He wanted to set up a zoo in uh, near Marwell, actually. And so we, we took a voyage, a voyage packed up the farm, uh, with a couple of the natives, of course. You've got to take the natives, a few natives with you. It's only fair. And, and Mother, of course, would have struggled without them. You know, she loved the help of the natives. And we packed it up and put them on a boat, you see. Now, now yes, yeah, it's sad to me to say, but there was a storm on that boat. We, we journeyed from the Cape, more or less the Cape, all the way up to Southampton. And there was a terrible storm. First off the Canary Islands and the boat sunk it. Obviously, it's 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 a very sad. It's a sad story. I do I don't particularly like telling it, but it must it must be told. And there it is. Many of the animals perished. There were forty five in total, but many of them perished in the water, save for six that made it onto my life raft. I was put upon a life raft by a very lovely native, very lovely native little chap, little black man, and he let me uh, survive with these animals, and he put the animals on the boat, unbeknownst to me, and my mother and father who I, at the time, I was sobbing, I was sobbing, I was soaking and scared, uh, but unbeknownst, they were actually on another boat, uh, uh, far away, far away, uh, but never, they survived, they made, yes, they made it into Africa, uh, Canary Islands, I should say, off the coast of Spain, near Morocco, Africa. you're probably aware of where Morocco is, of course, or the Canary Islands, uh, natives are there, you see, native black people. And, you see, the wonderful thing uh, is that I got to know these chaps on this boat, these little animals. And uh, we were picked up after about three weeks. And, yes, it's, it's very true that it was a hard, uh, hard time. Uh, I made friends with these, with these animals. I was a tiger, a decent uh, tiger. And, and, and we got along very well. Uh, famously, in fact, he taught me uh, how to make uh, rope out of the hemp that was on the boat. And also, there was a wonderful orangutan, and I didn't uh, name him uh, for half of the voyage uh, because I didn't want to uh, be rude. Because I they do have uh, tempers, and I didn't know if the orangutan already held its own name. So I simply called him orangutan. And the orangutan was a marvellous fellow, and the tiger was lovely, and there was also a zebra. The zebra was very old-fashioned, very old-fashioned. He, he was not very happy to be both black and white, and was very confused, and spent an awful lot of time trying to convince us that there really is no need for a black and white zebra, and would, would one mind if when we docked in Southampton to try and change him to an, either a black horse or a white horse at the time. Very confusing. However, as the weeks dawned on me, as the time dawned on me, I realised 
if we were if in terror, serious, I would mind terror, terror, you see, terrible amounts of it. And so, thankfully, uh, I was my bulbous brain, with the help of the tiger and the orangutan and the zebra. There were other animals I, I can't quite profess to tell you. I think they were rodents of some description. I believe there was a little rabbit there, which nibbled uh, a lot at, uh, at things, nibbling. It does annoy me, but he nibbled, and I got on with my day to day. I let him nibble, and I believe that there was a, a, a rabbit, and yes, a, a, a mouse, I'm sorry, a mouse, and once again, I, I was in deep conversation with uh, the orangutan, well, the zebra, and the tiger, you see. So it was very, very difficult to quite... Um, pay attention to a little mouse, you say, a little tiny mouse, and there he would, he would sometimes crawl up my back and sit on my shoulder, and it was fine, it was very comforting, and the rations, of course, and, but uh, it's a very long story, as you can well tell, and it, it really is mind-boggling story, but we eventually were picked up on the channel by a lovely cruise ship, uh, I think it was HMS uh, Aberdeen, and the captain couldn't quite believe it and had uh, had us all on, on his deck and uh, well, for a lovely supper. And we were in Southampton by, within a matter of uh, hours, really, quite frankly. Well, we could work a couple of hours, maybe a bit longer. And uh, that's, that's really the, 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 the crux of the, the story, how I came to the United Kingdom, really. But um, yes, when, of course, when I, uh, we docked in, in Southampton, the tiger buggered off. It was very sad. It simply just left me. Really. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's um, a, a multi, I don't know, multi-layered question, I suppose. But considering your background and your interest, what, what, I mean, what started you in politics when you, when you, how old were you and, and what really brought you into politics? Was it an event of some description or was it, and an you stumbled across a, a party, a, pro, a protest of some kind, you were in a, a village hall or a town hall or something. I mean, it's a really, it's really, really interesting how you, how you actually got into politics. Party allegiances has never when I was young, it never really interested me. Of course, it never really. What I, I joined the Tory party. Of course, I joined the Tory party when I was a young lad. I was, I think, uh, I was in Southampton. But uh, I had um, yes, I'd re, I'd re, I'd found my parents. We were reattached, and uh, it didn't take very long. Very reattached. My father grabbed me. He he punched me in the face very hard, five times, and he said, "Where have you been?" and that sort of thing. And I took it. I took the beating. I enjoyed it. I yes. And uh, my mother actually uh, punched the other side of my face. Uh, I think uh, five times, solid five five hits. And um, I'm sorry. I'm not looking out the window. That's milkman. Uh, no, the milk boy. That's the milk boy. Milk boy. Boy. Bloody idiot. He's left. He's left the uh, bloody milk boy. He's left the. He's left the, the milk uh, in this sun. Bloody milk boy. No, where did I? Yes, parties. Oh, party agencies. Um. Well. Um. Yes. My father, he moved us very quickly up to uh, Manchester. 
And there, of course, there were the red boys, you know, the, the communists, uh, the working proletariat, the working class. Really a very vile bunch, uh, working very hard and uh, not for a lot of money and uh, very upsetting to see them uh, being so poor, so poor. And I was very affected by that. My father would often thrash a few, uh, thrash a few of the people, um, thrash them on the streets. And uh, I would follow behind him thrashing uh, when they were, I was probably 10 or 12 years old at the time, uh, thrash and beat them. And I must say, I do now look back with a little regret at my behaviour. Uh, yes, understandably, you'll understand. Times have changed. We all, we all make mistakes. Milk boy! Milk boy! Milk boy! Out of the sun, milk boy! My milk boy! No, and I feel that personally, the Tories were... They simply opposed all the nastiness, all the red communism and the poor. And they opposed them, and it was my home. And I voted to Tory as soon as I jolly well could, if I might say so myself. And of course, when the war came along, now I was uh, but a, well, you know, a young man. And uh, I joined up, and it was there when I was in the war, I met an Australian fellow. Lovely chap. I can't really do an Australian accent, but he was a lovely fellow. And he once said to me when we were flying, I obviously in the RAF, obviously, I was reconnaissance, you see. And we would do, uh, you know, fly together. And uh, he once said to me, you know, old boy, at the end of this old thing, there jolly well better be, you know, a sort of all coming together of minds. You know, the rich and the poor, and we must all jolly well try and get together. And I punched him in the face five times, you see. And I punched him. And as I was punching him, I realised, you know, you may well be right. And he was right. He was right. He was right. The Australian fellow. I believe his name was, uh, was it Augustus. I think it was, or was it Bertie? I think it might have been Noel. Noel. I think it was. Yes, it was Noel because he, uh, he, he died and uh, it was really my fault. I, I, I think it, I pushed him out of the plane. Yes, I think it was my fault. I think it was. I, I, I didn't like. I didn't like him very much, and I, that, I was. Uh, we were two different, cut from two different pieces of the cloth. You see, and he was a working boy from Australia, and I didn't like him. I pushed him out of the plane, and but it, it, the story remains that I did. Yes, at the end of the war, came to the end. I. Noel's words were there in my head, and I believed that the, the Labour government, Labour government, a Labour government coming together, uh, was as good idea as any of there could be. Bevan beverage, well, yeah, why not? Why not? And and, but I think it went too far. Yes, I think it's fair to say, milk boy, milk boy. It's fair to say that in these day and age, uh, where we are now. Very different place to then, and it wasn't long before I, I switched back to the, you know, when Maggie came along. And in fact, long before Maggie, I, I, I turned, I must say, 
I, I did open my eyes once more. Maggie, Maggie was a wonderful woman, a very wonderful woman. And you were you were in favour. I mean, I suppose you know now. I mean, I, we've got to talk Brexit at some point. So no, I, I did want to know why you were why you were. I mean, to start with, why you were in favour with the the European project in the first place in the seventies. And what made you change your mind to actually campaign for leave? I mean, it's, yeah. You say, now, the 1970s was a very funny one, because we were the poor man of Europe, and a lot of people tend to forget that, you see. I don't quite know why they tend to forget, but they do. And we were a silly little poor bunch with silly little walking sticks and a lot of poor people. And you say... I can't stand that. What I would say is the Brexit that we have achieved, or will soon achieve, is a far, far different scenario than the one in the 1970s. And that must absolutely be respected, of course. And Theresa May, as much as she, I'm sure, doesn't want to Brexit... And it is tremendously well, obvious to me and many within the, the Leaf side, it is desperately important that we do. I believe that it is paramount we Brexit because of the bananas that Boris Johnson is very aware of. And that, you see, cannot be ignored, you see. The very coming together, the notion, my dear boy, of, of a burnt banana is beyond me. And I, I, the money, you see, the money. Why wouldn't you want all the money? But we're, we're an a, a empire. We are. There's no escaping that we are an empire. And in the 1970s, we weren't an empire. And we decided we weren't an empire, but we want to be an empire now, and, and we can be an empire. I, and I, that is why I campaign for the, the leave. And uh, we will obviously gain an awful lot of money uh, after we've obviously paid the uh, exit bill, as it were. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if it were up to me, I'd say, no, no, we're Britain, we don't need a silly Brexit bill, divorce bill, whatever you want to jolly call it, I would punch people until I got what I wanted, and there's not enough punching, punch and violence, and I also agree uh, with the uh, Turkish matter, the Nadal Farage and uh, UKIP were very, very accurately, uh, factually correct. 70 bloody million Turks coming over to uh, the Great British Isle. And obviously we're crammed. Obviously the NHS is uh, flooded with immigrants and and I can't stand it anymore. I mean, I go into a, a hospital now, a private ward, and they're everywhere. I mean, they're wiping bottoms, and they're cleaning up everywhere, and they're, they're helping people, which is an outrage. I mean, they come over here from Easter, and they dare. They come over here in their droves, and they have no idea about the British Empire, and they come over here 
Bandai make a damned nuisance of themselves, wiping old people's bottoms and cleaning the streets and serving us coffee. And it's an absolute outrage. And I want rid of them because I want British boys and girls to do that. I don't want... And they'll do it. I mean, I don't know for sure that they will. But but maybe they won't. But if they're not doing it, then at least we won't have those bloody Eastern Europeans in here. That's for damn sure. Punch them in the face, really. No, no, at the end of the day. But what I would say, the, the, the wonderful thing for the current Prime Minister, of course, Theresa May, is, uh, is she, can, she can simply move all the national and cultural or civic issues to the very back of the queue. And that's a wonderful thing. And simply blame Brexit. And, and obviously the will, of, the will of the people. I mean, it's marvellous, really, because it's genius, because... Which government really wants to deal with dirty poverty? It's an ugly subject. I mean, you know, we, we all know poverty is a disgusting subject. And in international pride-filled trade talks are much more appetizing. And, and I, I, they, they, I, I prefer them, frankly. I mean, I kick that to the back of the queue, poverty and all that... And let's talk about international empire. Oh, okay. Well, I'm look. I'm fretfully sorry. I'm going to have to go now because the milk outside is really going to go off, and I'm worried about. It. Thank you so much for your time. It has been marvellous so talking to you. Marvellous, and your listeners, I'm sure, will be eager to uh, perhaps uh, email me, and uh, or perhaps uh, tweet me at some point. And uh, you can do uh, whatever you like on Twitter. And uh, my Twitter is uh, Max Heathley. That's uh, obviously Max Heathley Lord. Uh, but uh, I, uh, Twitter's a wonderful thing, and I'm going to get fully involved with it. And uh, I look forward to having a conversation with all of you at some point in the future. Oh, airy me. Oh, I didn't. I didn't mind the interview, old boy. I didn't, uh, you know, I was a bit worried. I thought I'd come across a bit funny as all. Sometimes I get very nervous, you see. No, very nervous. Oh, dearie, dear. Oh, good God. Have you pressed stop resisting recording still? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, I've, I've pressed stop now. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just blasted, you know. I mean, honestly, Hesseltine was right, you know. I mean, I would probably prefer a a Labour government at some point just to shake old bloody Theresa May up the backside. But, uh, yeah, that was on the Limehouse podcast, that Michael Heseltine thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, that was on the Limehouse podcast, was it, old boy? Yeah, well, well, there you go. Yes. Well, Thank you, you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your time. Seventy bloody million tax coming over to the Great British Isle.